Welcome to Commerce Chefs, a quirky and thought-provoking show for future-focused commerce leaders. We're going to pit the world's most brilliant, inspiring, and driven D2C visionaries, the Commerce Chefs, with riveting questions to uncover their secret ingredients at the intersection of passion, performance, and leadership in practice. For the past decade, we've led teams of designers, strategists, and digital wizards at one of the leading e-com agencies in the country to help brave brands become enduring classics. And we're here to indefinitely borrow the strategies and pro tips that will make us all better leaders and make the brands we lead better too. Hey, Kyle, when was the last time you had pancakes? Uh, A couple of weeks ago. Why? Well, I made some yesterday, but the whole house ended up smelling like lavender. I think I might have used the wrong Hmm. flour. Plus, they were really thin, and I don't like thin pancakes. Yeah, they creep me out. Big time. Anyway, I'm sure I'll get badder at making them with practice. Last time I made pancakes, I dropped them on the floor right before I got to eat them. So that breakfast fell a little flat, didn't it? Yeah. I really flipped out. Hey, Kyle, what did the pancake say to the waffle? What's that, Tom? Someday I want to have abs like that. Because <laughs> waffles are just they're pancakes mm. with abs. So, Well, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of pancakes, no one quite stacks up to the Canadian king of pancakes, cereal D2C leader, and flapjack of all trades, the founder of Flourish Pancakes, Andrew Maida. Mm-mm. We're going to mix up a gooey bowl of protein-packed points that are sure to help uncover the fluffy future of omnichannel success in the better-for-you food space. And how customer shopping habits might be tougher to flip than you think. Batter up! Hey, hey Kyle, that reminds me. Where was the one-legged pancake invented? Ooh, where? IHOP. Oh, that's, yeah. that's bad, Tom. That's really oh. bad. I, I think my appetite for pancake puns is really done. Well, for for better or for worse, you're, you're stuck with me. <laughs> okay, fine. Walk away. That That's fine. Catch you on the flip side. Welcome to the show. Um, hello, hello. I would love it if you could give us all a bit of a breakdown of who you are, where you're from, what you do. I know that you are a flapjack of all traits, but uh, would love to hear more about you from you. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right a good there, one. That was, that was the best one of the whole day, Andrew. Might have I might there. as well get the best pun out of the way. Yeah, I, I kept that one. I just wrote that down in my, in my book. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, Tom, Kyle. Um, my name's Andrew. I'm from Toronto, Ontario, uh, Canada, mm-hmm. and I'm the founder of Flourish Pancakes. Um, I am the chief flapjack of all trades, if I can, re- yes. if I can recycle. Um, of course. And uh, really what I'm all about is, um, you know, using e-commerce to build uh, better for you brands. Right now, 100% focused on, on Flourish. I've had a background in e-commerce uh, since I was 19. Proudly, I can say I've uh, had almost no jobs in my entire life. I've always, always worked for myself. Um, so just really about building brands and connecting with consumers and selling really great products. Love that. Yeah, I know that better for you space uh, is something we're we're also quite passionate about. So uh, I I know we both look forward to hearing more about the story. 
that you do have as the flapjack of all trades. I should have, uh, yeah, patent pending. Anyway, um, so I think the big the big question on our mind, uh, Andrew, we were chatting before this and just wanted to know why uh, why pancakes? Tell us a little bit about the Flourish story. Yeah, it's a great question. So as I said, uh, you know, I, I've been on my own since uh, since I was 19. Um, I come from a a very loving uh, immigrant Italian family, first generation Italian family. Um, and basically to take a step back, like my life was always, um, everything was, was taken care of. I tell people like my mom was basically not only cooking me breakfast, but like brushing my teeth for me on the way out of my house. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I moved out at a, at a really early age for somebody in, in my family. Like it's standard for us, you know, you get married, live in your parents' basements for a little while. And then next thing you know, you're 35 with, with two kids. Um, <laughs> so I was out at 20. And when I moved out, I just had no idea what was going on. I walked into this new house and it was like, it was just blank space for me. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to clean. I, I barely knew how to take care of myself. Um, and kind of the why pancakes is I resorted to um, feeding myself the things that I knew best. So for breakfast, that was Eggo waffles with Nutella, peanut butter, and a cafe latte. So um, <laughs> yes. espresso with Very milk nice. and probably another tablespoon of sugar. Um, <laughs> and then throughout the day, I was just kind of like eating out of a wrapper. So Tim Hortons drive through Starbucks, McDonald's, and I was running these other e-commerce businesses and I thought I was being really efficient and I was actually doing something bad for my body. Um, so my brother, who's a chef, uh, came up with the recipe for flourish. And he said, like, you look like crap. You feel like crap. You need to kind of, uh, get your, get your act together. Um, so I made you this recipe to replace your egos and it's easy enough. Like some, even you could do it. So anybody could do it. Um, just eat this every day. Trust me. And I was like, okay, this is little brother privilege right here. So thank you very much. Uh, big (laughs) brother. And I had flourish, uh, every day for like two years until I started as a business. Um, and my dream was actually to replace Eggo waffles. When I started, I actually wanted a frozen waffle brand. Um, but I fell in love with cooking a breakfast at home. I felt like making something felt better. So I decided that there was a, a better niche in pancakes and it was already helping me. So, you know, why change, um, what was broken? So Flourish became my 25th e-commerce store uh, at the age of 23. And then I kind of just dropped everything and just focused on this. I'm sorry. Could could you just repeat? Did you say 25th store? Yeah. I had 24 stores from 19 to 23. Some were good and some were bad. So not all great. Um, But I went through a lot of uh, e-commerce. I was going to say, like, can you give us like a, a, um, a bit of a smattering of what kinds of like, things you were doing those 24 stores yeah so it was was everything so um i was drop shipping um and then if stores would grow i would take them and warehouse them in the u.s i'd get actual packaging for it and and start shipping it um from from canada or the states so my biggest store was a phone case store uh it was called lux armor case uh, the website's not up anymore. Actually, I lost the domain, but it's it was L-U-X-A-R-M-O-R case.com. Um, huh. That one was pretty big, but 
I've done bath bombs, uh, leggings. I've done dog toys. Um, I had a kitty litter scooper called Perfect Kitty. That was pretty big. Um, and really just like following trends. And I was mostly concerned about learning my, my e-commerce chops. And at that point, it was never really about branding as much as it is now. And I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, the world evolve from just a product that does something for people to a brand that makes people feel something, yeah. makes people feel good, but also has a product for sale and a, and a community. Um, so I've kind of been on both sides of that um, with a whole boatload of, of stuff beforehand, but now Flourish Pancakes. Yeah. That's sweet. Well, it kind of segues into something we were curious about, which was was talking about brand, and maybe you could speak to why you know you think that's you've seen that shift being so important now, and specifically with Flourish, knowing how much personality and lightheartedness and joy is in the brand. You know, tell us more about that angle and how that you know is important to you. Yeah, it's it's um, definitely really important to me as a founder, and I think it needs to be the founder's number one thing that they're thinking about, maybe right on par with product or even even right before product. Um, and I think the reason this shift happened is because of people like me when I was 19, 20 years old, just drop shipping and taking products and um, you know selling them to people with kind of no background or brand behind it. So I've seen, I've personally seen those brandless brands grow and fall and grow and fall. Um, you know, and, and that was something that I felt like was really tough to handle uh, as an entrepreneur. And I've also been on the other side of it where I've bought something from a company and then found out that they, you know, stand for nothing. And my money is just kind of in this internet metaverse abyss. Now it's, it's gone. Um, so it's, it's so important to have a strong brand because it, it tells people really who you are. And I think Flourish has a lot of me in it. Um, and if you're selling something that you would sell to yourself and you can find other people that connect with that, it makes your job a lot easier. But also it just lets people know that, you know, their money is going to a good place and the product that's coming back to them is of equal or greater value. Um, and you guys must see it all the time, right? With uh, recreating or starting brands and and helping them kind of find that North Star. Yeah, it- I think it's um, maybe one of the most important and encouraging shifts that is continuing to stay. Uh, so, so definitely not something that is just a trend anymore, uh, but brands that are going to survive, uh, let alone thrive, um, are ones that put brand first. And and we don't mean mm-hmm. that necessarily. And although we're speaking, yeah, from a you know, design capacity. Um, I don't mean the logo. I don't mean the typeface and the colors and the art direction. I mean, it really is, what is it that we stand for? What do we believe in? Who are we trying to uh, attribute ourselves with? Uh, and what kind of community and impact are we trying to build? Um, so you're you're absolutely on point, uh, right on the burner, as it were, uh, where, you know, how, how that brand shows up, how the personality is reflected, uh, certainly is different from from brand to brand but i i love that comment about it being the founder's responsibility first and foremost even over and above product um to to focus on brand uh so yeah i mean thank you for bringing that forward um it just sounds super nerdy but i'm reading a book right now by one of the co-founders of red antler which has probably Mm got to be one of the, the hottest branding agencies in the u.s um but 
she speaks about this in the entire first two chapters, um, being the founder's responsibility and the most important thing that you need to not only start with, uh, but lead with throughout the growth um, of that of that company. So you're reading Obsessed, right? I am reading Obsessed. Yes. I have it right behind me and I'm Good. looking at it and it's it's mocking me because I haven't cracked it open yet. Um, <laughs> so thanks for the reminder. I'm, I'm going to get to it. Um, there you, you go. But one now. thing... Tom just did it. One thing... Uh, <laughs> I'll do one, one thing you said though is, um, you know, like it's not about color or design and, and I don't even think I mentioned that when I was answering your last question. And I think that... Um, all that stuff is is important for sure, um, but br- like you said, brand is not that right. That is something that comes of having a great brand strategy, and even for us, where like we're we're nowhere near perfect. Um, there are many many brands that have their north star pinpointed better than we do, and I think there is a ton of brands, especially in Canadian CPG, that are communicating with customers in a better way. Um, but one thing that I think is important is that um, founders are trying and that yeah. they're actually putting themselves into it. Because I remember before Flourish, and even when I started, I, I made my first packaging um, on Upwork for like 35 bucks. And um, I remember getting on the phone with branding agencies and speaking to my advisors and saying, like, I don't understand what I'm buying. They're telling me that it's 10,000 or 50,000 or 100,000, whatever the number is, but I don't really get like, which picture am I buying? Are they going to send me photos of what it's going to look like? And I just never really understood what that dynamic was like. And when I speak to other founders, I think that a lot of us still feel that way, like branding escapes them. And that's why it's important to have a really good, really good partner for it, or just kind of sit down and or go on a retreat and just really kind of hammer it out. It's interesting because so here, here's a challenge I put forward, and I do, I do want to know your thoughts on this, Andrew. But um, I find that interesting, and it, it, believe me, Kyle and I come across the very, the very same thing. Of um, you know, we're we're talking about this with prospects, like let's say, or people that want to work with PB and J. Sort of like, well, yeah, but like, what are the what are like the deliverables? Like, what are the things that you get? And and when we talk about brand at a at a true deep foundational level, um, there's a lot of it that is intangible the the interesting dichotomy though or the the tension point here is that um consumers understand brand better than founders seem to or than brands seem to consumers know they feel they intuit what brand means even though they can't articulate it and i I promise you probably nine out of ten people can't articulate it but they absolutely know what brand is and what it means and we see this um, in every case study we look at. So how, how do you think you've kind of, and, and for being vulnerable, first of all, we'd say thank you, but, um, you know, not fully knowing, not, not really having a full handle on what brand really is. How do you think that you're connecting that still on some level? Cause you must be, um, flourish is doing well. It's, uh, flourishing. Um, I apologize for that. I won't do it again. Um, so how, how do you see this showing up with, you know, any kind of touch points that you have with your customers or feedback with your customers? Yeah, I think that um, for us, the way that we get brand across the customers is is through e-commerce. Like we're an omni-channel company, but we like to have that first touch point online. And I think that although digital, we try to get as much of ourselves across 
um, just using like direct communication channels with customers, right? Like when I said we're not perfect, I think a lot of that is like packaging could use some work, maybe social could use some work, but I think the way that we communicate is really honest um, and it's really ourselves. And I think that's how customers feel and experience our brand. Mm. Um, even, you know, when we were chatting beforehand, I was like, guys, I might drop a couple square words here and there. Like, those are things that we just, we just write emails. We just write text messages or write yeah. copy on our websites and don't think about it as sales. We just think about it as chatting with a friend. And I think that's where we come across. And that's what we're noticing aside from product is what's most important to our customers is that in our space, in, in the pancake mix category, um, everything is very dated and very sleepy. So for us, the opportunity there to engage with customers, engage with them digitally and honestly, um, and in kind of like a fresh way is really important for them, aside from what they look for in the product. Sleepy is such a great word. It's a perfect description for, mm. for the space you're in. So I, I like that's It's a good noticing, though. I think you're, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, it is really sleepy. There's not much going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, especially in Canada. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., it's a little more competitive. But when we go to buyer yeah. meetings, um, you're always so scared as a as a founder walking into a, you know, like a Loblaws or a Costco and like nothing that they do. It's just it's so important for your business. Right. You're so nervous. Um, yeah. But sometimes I feel like in our category, um, I can go in there thinking like we're probably one of the only brands that are going to be presenting for this category that have some sort of scale in Canada. Um, and that makes me feel a little bit better, right? Like if I was a bar company, yeah. um, I'd be shaking every single day. Like what is going to happen to my business? Cause that's so like uber competitive and it's so forward compared to other parts of the grocery store, like pancake mix or, um, like produce kind of, it's just another kind of thing that's just always been there. Right. Aunt Jemima or yeah. pearl milling company is just yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, this is a, a bit of a direction differently than we were going to go, but I'm curious to know on that note and like the buyer meetings and and the brand differentiation, have you, did you find the brand differentiation kind of going from sleepy to awake uh, or not sleepy um, helped kind of like punch you through like to enter into the market? Yeah, most definitely. I think what we did with our packaging, um, like, because that's what people see, like that's what the buyer sees is very different than what most food companies do. Um, I actually took a lot of inspiration from, from Halo Top. Um, sorry, kind of long way to get around to your question, but our packaging is, is very e-commerce. Like you're on our site, you already know you're buying protein pancake mix. So now it was mostly what is the flavor I'm buying? So like buttermilk, the background represents buttermilk. Chocolate has like chocolate chips on it. Um, but they're illustrations. There's no big picture of pancakes. There's no like one giant word describing what the product is. It actually breaks a lot of the laws of grocery store food packaging. And we get either side of the spectrum. Like nobody is indifferent about our packaging in a buyer meeting. They either love it or they just really want us to change it. And sorry, <laughs> but we won't. Um, but that's one of the things that when you see us on shelf um, in the natural category, everything is very tan or calm and sterile and we're very bright yellow blue brown with pink um and then in the conventional category everyone's just used to seeing red 
like it's just Aunt Jemima. So it's just red everywhere. And then like three rows of red boxes and then like six rows of a brown syrup with a, with a red logo on the front. So having yellow, blue, brown, purple, um, that really helped us stand out. And it's actually one of the slides that we use in our retail presentation is a picture of us on shelf with all these other brands. And then uh, it goes into a heat map. So it kind of like does a little transition and then you see our colors pop out. Yeah. And the slide titles like standout presence on shelf. Um, and I think that really helps because when, when the heat map kind of goes away and then you're like, yeah, that's exactly where my eye goes, this giant yellow yeah. package. Yeah. You're like a flamingo in a snowstorm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you're I really good at these. He's, what is he's going on today. Honestly, like part of the, part of his like full-time job, I think has to just be like the best analogies and puns. It's, it's incredible. Andrew, you got to join some team meetings. <laughs> I was going to I'll say, do Tom, before before you jump into it, was you know we talk about this a lot. You know, it's one of the such a difficult thing with branding is like you, you need to you need to fit in, but you need to stand out, um, and so it needs to like belong in the category, like in the sense yeah. where you're following some conventions. But we we can so often get lost that we try to fit in so much that we forgot or we forget that the brand is designed to help us stand out, and and actually having I forget there's some brand like guru that said this, I think, but it's like, you know, great brands, they, they make people love or hate it. Like they don't sit in the middle. And I think what you're, yes. that's what you're saying, right? And you're like, you, it's a good if people hate it because that means you're doing it right. Cause some people love it. Yeah. And, and one of my advisors, um, who I've been working with for a while, he was leading a big CPG company. And, um, he, he says that everything, the CEO's role is always about creating tension. Um, so he'll use this for, um, he'll use this for like employee matters. Right. And, um, he's saying like, it's not always supposed to be being really hard on the team and it's always not supposed to be letting them off easy. If they can't do something, how do you create tension to bring the best out of them? Right. And then with brand, he uses tension a lot. Um, saying things like, how do you have a positioning that creates tension? Right. It doesn't need, that doesn't need to be a negative word. Like tension sounds kind of scary and nerve wracking, but just that sort of like, what is that? That's different than what I've seen before while still fitting in um, exactly what you're saying, Kyle. So I think his analogy for, for tension is, is a really good one that people can kind of carry. And I carry a lot um, throughout the workday. That's awesome. And I, you know, I think you're speaking with two individuals that uh, it's one of my favorite words, maybe top five uh, is the word tension. Um, top but when 10, you really ten. top 10, what's ten. one, what's one to four. Oh boy. That's another podcast. Cause I, I kind of really have uh, to dig into why. Flapjack of all trades is number one. <laughs> yeah. Fun is two. <laughs> Fun is two. Yeah. But tension is literally what holds the universe together. Um, you have, you have components of atoms and I mean, it, this is this is not a science podcast, but even when you think about structures that we understand and take for granted every day, like bridges, things that are meant to get us from one way to another where there isn't supposed to be something, um, tension is what holds it, it holds things together. You have competing forces. Uh, it's what allows us to fly. What's it's what allows us to walk with friction. Um, so yeah, I think anybody truly anybody that looks at tension as a categorically bad thing uh, is is missing the beauty of what it can be um to unlock that and to live with it and seth godin talks a lot about tension um 
being one of the key fabric uh, components of an entrepreneur or a creative or somebody who's empathetic and caring. Um, so I'm just I'm always happy to to touch on that and dive into it. Um, but but the I love outcome. That. I love the positive outlook you have. That's yeah, awesome. You have to. You have to. Um, so it, that kind of got me thinking. Uh, the last two years have been interesting, and maybe that's an mm-hmm. understatement for sure. <laughs> I I I know you're omni-channel, and I know um, a large part of your success and growth, in at least in the awareness of the Flourish Pancake brand, has been in the retail kind of grocery space. Um, but what have you seen over the last two years? There has like there's got to have been some really big shifts. Yeah. Do, do you mean shifts for e-com or do you mean shifts for retail? Well, I guess both because they, they kind of both feed into the growth of Flourish as a, as a brand overall. And, and maybe, maybe I'll, I'll dig in a little deeper and say, what have you seen in terms of customer behavior and expectations as it relates to the last two years and how you've seen that tension live between these two channels uh, that have played very specific uh, roles in the past that have probably been blurred a lot more. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the last two years have done a lot in terms of um, isolating people or keeping them in their homes and moving them to e-commerce. And then also the new habits that they've formed work from home. And then with like for businesses, inflationary pressure. Um, So there's, a ton. I feel like this is, I need three hours to answer, but <laughs> I think one way uh, we can sum this up for e-commerce and for retail is, is access. Um, consumers just want more, faster, better, easier access to their products. And for e-commerce, you know, that means brand, bringing brands online that were never online before, having marketplaces with all the best products, uh, and you see the best retail stores in the food space doing that now. Um, and for us, you know, offering different options to help people kind of save money or get more products faster um, in this kind of environment, which is high pressure. So that's like bundling and saving, um, subscribing. Sorry, I know it's not brandy stuff. And then on the retail side, access has transformed the space in terms of Uh, combining natural and conventional sets, right? One of the things we do in Canada in food retail is we usually isolate natural products from conventional products because we, well, I shouldn't say we, I'm not a grocer, but I think grocers think that people need the aisle to differentiate what they're shopping for. Um, But in the States, a lot of, um, grocery stores, some of the best grocery stores actually have integrated sets, right? So like us, Kodiak Cakes, Birch Benders, right beside Bisquick, Hungry, Hungry, wow, I can't speak, sorry, Hungry Jack and Aunt Jemima. Um, And customers have formed these new habits over the last two years. They've gotten a lot closer with brands digitally. And now in retail, they want to find them where they've been finding, you know, their other products. They don't want natural and conventional sets. So we're seeing huge shifts across Canada where like some places where we've only been in natural, they're integrating us into conventional or dual placing us. So it's a good opportunity for brands. And actually like two of the cornerstones of of our business are leading the business with e-commerce, even though like, as you said, most of our growth actually comes from retail. 
we always want to have that first touch point online so we can drive that brand home and create that um, digital experience for customers. And then the other one is actually always being in the conventional category. I've never understood why pancakes need to have two different spots in the store. Like put my yes. 1099 premium better for you brand beside the 299 um, conventional brand and let customers buy it anyways, because the product has more value than the price actually offers and it's better for them. Right. So like we're offering good value despite the price competition. And those are two things that we've actually always pushed here at Flourish, like e-com first and being in conventional. And I've gotten so much slack about both of those things. And I think they're kind of now um, coming into the to the greater category, not trying to pat myself on the back. Um, you know, it could have went the other way, but I think we're seeing a lot of that in food. Wow. That's really interesting. And speaking of that better for you food space, I mean, you talk a lot about that value, you know, and, and kind of pinning it against, say, those that aren't in the better for you food space, like a traditional pancake. But how do you stand out when you're when you're paired up against those in your space? Like what kind of differentiates you and, and what's worked, what hasn't? Yeah, I think for us, um, you know, you only have a split second to get customers to notice your product on shelf. And for us, what we use to sell into retailers is that e-commerce first strategy. That's been what I've just been like riding for the last three years. So we like to think that a majority of our customers who are purchasing in store have actually first purchased online. And we've built a really robust framework where we can acquire customers online and then we give them choice by giving them two separate offers after their second purchase. Do you want to be a retail shopper? To simplify what we asked, do you want to be a retail shopper or do you want to be an e-commerce shopper? And then if they choose the retail route, we now have the distribution across the country to say like, hey, here's a $1 coupon to your closest Longos, Loblaws, Costco, whatever it might be. Um, so I actually like to think that we're not necessarily competing for mine time at the grocery store. We look at Flourish as a planned purchase item. So how do we get people to go to the grocery store and say milk, eggs, flourish pancakes, right? And yep. yeah. in our hmm. set, usually there's a sign above the pancake mix section that says pancake mix and like the six other things that they sell in the aisle. So that's one of the reasons why we always push for conventional because in grocery stores, there will be a pancake mix sign. But in the natural set of those grocery stores, it'll say baking needs or baking mixes or healthy baking, gluten-free baking. Um, so people look up because they, they're on a planned purchase and they're like, where's Flourish? Here's Pancake Mix. They go to the Aunt Jemima and then they call and they're like, Andrew, I can't find your products in this store. And I'm like, trust me, we're there. We might just be here, here, or here. Um, so we really try to control that purchase funnel, become a planned purchase for the customer so we don't have to compete at all on shelf because grocery is just too expensive and you know we, we can't afford to do those things. We'd rather put all the value into the product. I love I love hearing you talk about value and I mean this is a whole other I think that's a whole other topic uh, altogether but I think allowing the customer to make the choice that feels right for them you're putting you know you're putting everything out on the shelf on the line um and letting them choose based on what's important and valuable uh, for them um but but let's um let's double click on that because I 
I'll be candid. I'm I'm not sure that I have heard that strategy before from an e-com brand. And we, uh, believe me, we work with hundreds of them. So you're telling me, you know, we're acquiring, we're becoming aware online, and you are by choice providing a pathway or a buyer journey that actually starts to lead off the site if that's more convenient and appealing to them. We'll drive directly to grocery. Yeah, in our space, it's, it's um, I think, a unique strategy, but also one that the space calls for just because, um, you know, even though we've grown up with the internet, it's still pretty, pretty new. Um, people are comfortable buying lots of things online. Food is probably one of the items that they're less comfortable with buying online. So we say that um, awareness, consideration, and conversion or trial happen online. Um, and then repeat purchase and retention happens in the grocery store. So if you can make it into somebody's shopping cart and you can stay there, it's really valuable for you as a brand. Um, when they first buy online, like we'll call that our digital demo, right? So I can go to a grocery store and I can pay $500 for somebody to stand there and demo my products, probably yeah. not even a 10th as well as, as we could have if the team was there themselves. And give out a free sample and maybe somebody buys. But if I can sell products online, um, even though it might not be profitable for us to sell online, just with the current environment, it's super tough. I can get people to try my products, actually buy in and be committed, and then spend some time with us learning about the brand, right? Following on Instagram, answering surveys, getting cool like treats and access and things. And then saying, hey, you know, this is also available in your grocery store. If you're like every other person in the world, you grocery shop. So these are all the places you can find us. Or, you know, we're always here for you to buy online. Subscribe and save and never think about it. Or like, we'll remind you in 45 days when when it's time to come back and, and top up. Um, and this is because we've positioned our product as a high use item, as opposed to that like Sunday morning meal occasion. Yep. Yep. So we're finding that people are actually going through like our minimum for free shipping, four bags. They're going through four bags of pancake mix way faster than any other brand. It might take you four years to go through four boxes of Aunt Jemima, um, <laughs> where it might take you like 45 days to go through four uh, bags of Flourish. Although they're the same size, um, we just have the nutritional profile that encourages people to eat it more often. And then yeah. the marketing and the strategy to kind of educate them that they can do that with pancakes, which, um, you know, is never really seen before. So why not let that happen in grocery, right? If they're going to be buying every week, why not let them spend, you know, yep. 10 bucks every week instead of 45 bucks in a one, one shot purchase online. I like that. And who doesn't have that, you know, one third full box of Aunt Jemima uh, pancake mix from, <laughs> I have it. I keep it on my dresser every morning. I just wake up and I, I glare at it and then I go to work. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. In, in, in a box of frozen egos that just stay there as a reminder of the origin story. <laughs> yeah. Mine wouldn't they stay haven't there. Changed. I had to get rid of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, hey, speaking of like, yeah, things just in your, in your drawer, I opened up our, our pantry drawer the other day and I noticed a, a bag of flourish pancakes and it was like, how did this get in here? I didn't, I didn't even know. And so somehow Andrew at the store, um, clearly it wasn't me cause I didn't know it was there. Um, slid into someone's 
cart and I, I, I should look into how that happened, but it was me. you did, you found your way. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's the story of shopping carts is, is strange, right? Because they do all this optimization to try to make people put more items in their shopping cart. Like you've seen grocery stores have all different kinds of carts. Um, and you would think that it's just a metal box on wheels. It's actually a really smart, um, it's a very highly tested item that grocery stores work with. But the thing that people can't get around is the average family will have their um, 60 to 80 products that they buy 92% of the time over yeah. like half a decade. So they're buying the exact same products every single week. Um, and it's, it's very it's tough to actually get into that cart, right? And if you can, you can stay there. Whereas online, you can have a lot of kind of leaks in the bucket that you're always trying to fix. Mm -hmm. You know, you always hear e-com guys talk about that stuff. So um, grocery can be really valuable and it just takes a little bit longer to build and you can't be as direct. But that's why we like to go direct first and then give people the option, like give them the choice to kind of do whatever's easiest for them. Yep. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I can attest to the, the guy who buys the same marble cheese every time he goes to the grocery store, even though there's marble about 600 cheese. choices, right? Like, yeah. So it's cause you actually forgot that you, that you bought it, but you still like it when you, when you run out, like they did this test with yogurt and they let us one half of the people go to the store and buy any kind of yogurt they wanted every single day. They had to have yogurt for breakfast. And then the other subset, they said, buy enough yogurt for the next, I think it was like two weeks or 30 days, however long they were running this test. And the people who bought yogurt every single day at the grocery store bought the same yogurt every single day as the first yogurt that they bought. And the <laughs> other totally subset, when they loaded up, exactly, that would be me too. When they loaded up, they bought a variety of yogurts and then didn't eat the ones that weren't their favorite flavor. Um, so it's wow. interesting, like people's habits when they get into the grocery store. It's kind of like a frantic environment. You're like yeah. running around yeah. there. You're like, yeah. where is In the ketchup? Out. There's 9,000 ketchups here. Like yeah. I got to pick my kids up. Like somebody's calling me. Like what is going on? And I think you just like, it's a habit, right? You're just bing, bang, bang, and then get out. Well, yeah. And it, it, uh, this is, it's enlightening or, or sad. I mean, our, our listeners can decide, but uh, it's like when when I go grocery shopping compared to when my wife goes, the the carts look very different, let's say that, but the, the number of times, <laughs> happens, yeah. like if we still had to pay per text, uh, our, our carrier would be very happy when I go grocery shopping because I, I always am like, where the, where the frig is this, this thing? Yes. She's like, oh, it's in that aisle and that thing. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But you know, if you have to get, if you have to get the exact same brand and, and product, um, yeah, if you don't know where it is, like, man, it's a. It's just a big experiment. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a giant maze full of food and people just yeah. trying to like yeah. get in and get out. You know, if you bring your kids, like, like truly God help you, you're probably yelling for them and they're like climbing, you know, the cereal aisle because they want <laughs> that cereal. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I, I, hear, Honestly, it. I hear it. Don't, don't beat yourself up over it. I'm in a grocery store like every single day. And when I go grocery shopping, I know where nothing is. And it gets to the point where my girlfriend's like, <laughs> you work in a grocery store pretty much. 
Um, right. You need to figure this out because I'm like watching my show and I can't direct you around the longos. Like <laughs> well, walk the aisles. Because there's just true. like a hundred brands screaming at you like buy my product. And it's like, ah, <laughs> I'm just looking for the Heinz ketchup and the Flourish pancakes and the like, you know. Well, my my wife calls me an old man because I get upset when they move things around. <laughs> Right? She's like, you're such an old man. I was like, I am I am not an old man. I'm just I'm practical. Like, why would they move it? I don't know where it is now. Yeah, I agree. Um, That's why we tell you. That's why we'll yeah. always tell you where it is. I okay. I'm I'm and, happy to know this about you. And and not that not that these all aren't the points, but Andrew, I didn't want to miss your point. Was and what part of what you're saying is like e-commerce and that direct to consumer experience provides the opportunity for brands to kind of break through those habits. Mm-hmm. You put that in a really, I'm going to keep that too. Look at uh, that. That's a really, that's really good least, way to say it. That's at least three okay, writable. You said it. You yeah. said, also, don't move the Heinz ketchup because Tom will literally punch you in the face. But that's the <laughs> yeah. other point that we need to remember. <laughs> okay, cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, breaking through the habit on uh, with e-commerce. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, it's access, right? Like, let's just get right to the consumer. Let's not go through a flyer. Um Let's, you know, just speak to them directly in the way that they want to be spoken to. And then if they like our products and they have the choice to buy it online and buy it in store. And this is the exact same thing that I say to grocery stores when we talk about, um, you know, organizing the sets. As a brand, you always want to become the category captain, right? Like you want the grocery store to come to you and say, like, what's going on in our set? What should we do? And we're fortunate enough to be a part of some of those conversations. And it's like, scrap that natural section. Like there's so many great brands in there yeah. and just move them into where the other brands are so people can have choice and expand the grocery store. Don't segregate everything. Right. So, um, clearly big choice advocate over here. Um, I haven't said choice so many times in the last 39 minutes. I've Look, that, that's your choice. This conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks Tom. Um, speaking of choice and I know that you have probably learned and seen things along this um, this journey. Um, we always want to leave with just advice from from you as a founder, Andrew, to the other founders that are that are listening. What's some advice that you have uh, for those out there? I think I would say that um, you know, slow is fast, and don't get distracted by the noise. Um, to build on that. Um, you know, when I first started, I tell everyone the story that like, I used to want to like tattoo my store count on my forehead or like tattoo, like I received venture capital, like across my face. And these things are just vanity <laughs> metrics, right? And if you go on LinkedIn, like everybody's raising money and everybody's doing great and everybody's on a private jet and everybody's IPO'd and like you're in your basement trying to sell a pancake mix. Um, or a phone case or leggings or bath bombs and trying to build a great brand and do good for the world. Why am I not being rewarded for that? Right. So um, I think that you can get tempted to like make mistakes because you want to rush. And I am definitely one of those people. And I think earlier on in my career, I was like very distracted by the vanity of it all and like the raising money and all those things. But um, they say that like build it and they will come is not a good marketing strategy. And I think it actually could be a perfect marketing strategy if you have a great product and a great brand. Um, you just need to kind of like put the time in and put your head down. And if you really believe in what you're doing, it'll get you through 
all the tough times because it's never going to be perfect every single day. Um, so slow is fast and, and, uh, buy good earplugs, stay out of the noise. Buy good earplugs. Well, (laughs) introducing my new earplugs for earfirst.com. Now, will that, will that come in the pancake mix? Like you used to get toys and cereal. (laughs) Like like the watch and the Kellogg's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I used to break into boxes of cereal and steal the toys. Um, if anyone from like General Mills or Kellogg's, I probably owe you a few bucks. Um, <laughs> I love those things. That's such a great idea, though. I'm in. I'm ordering. Right I don't know now. if it'll fit with the brand. You guys, you guys tell me. Yeah. But earplugs and pancake mix. Leave me some. Uh, leave me some comments. Send me some emails or some LinkedIn messages if you want okay, earplugs and your notes. next batch. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll hear from know. our listeners too. Uh, anybody who's interested, uh, let us know your thoughts so we can pass those on to Andrew. But um, uh, Andrew, I've uh, I've left the most important question to last on purpose uh, because I feel what we both do it's really important to anchor um, you know what we leave with in terms of of thought so we've we've talked through so many great things Uh, we've talked about um, books we've talked about pancakes we've talked about earplugs Um, most importantly what's the most important meal of the day Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with breakfast Yes. Um, and that's not biased, but I'm, I'm yeah. definitely gonna have to go with breakfast. You want yeah. something to fuel you through the day. If you want to get through good, uh, hour long episodes like this, if you want to be crushing your email inbox, um, it's breakfast and it shouldn't be a protein shake, right? Like, uh, we have this saying it's eat your food, dude. So, uh, food. if you are looking for something high protein, little shameless plug, uh, yeah. you can get as much protein in a serving of pancakes as you can in a protein shake. So definitely breakfast. Um, and if you're serious about breakfast, it's flourishpancakes.com. There it is. You did the plug a little for shameless, us. Shameless <laughs> earplug right there. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It was like it was served. <gasps> I up. love it. We just say it again. That's the that's the breakfast we all need. <laughs> it is for sure. Uh, but I wanted to say thank you guys for having me on the pod, um, Tom. Our pleasure. You know that I've reached out before about branding. Um, you guys are absolutely crushing it and I love kind of the personality that you put into your, into your website and your work. Um, so I wish you guys all the best for anyone that wants to work with PB and J. Uh, I know you guys are incredible and you're just awesome people. So good luck with the business and the podcast. And I wish you guys all the best. I hope everything 10 X is this year for you. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate that. Um, same for you. And, uh, it is always good to talk with another founder so thanks for sharing your time use use code earplug and you get a free earplug (laughs) in your pancake mix (laughs) we'll uh we'll be uh we'll be looking at a brand collab soon with a pb and j flavored um pancake so um yeah let's do it yeah let's do it i like it so yeah andrew truly thank you uh this was so insightful and encouraging and just happy uh, not because it's about food, but which has a very you know, good, lovely place in our heart. But uh, just appreciate that today. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best and we will be in touch. Well, that's it for this episode of Commerce Chefs. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and learned a little more about the secret ingredients behind being a delicious D2C brand. But if you're looking for more, make sure to join the Commerce Chefs community by following us on social at Commerce Chefs. Ask us questions, send in requests. We want to hear from you. Remember, 
It's just as important to feed your ears as your mouth, because as they say, the ears are the other mouth of the head. Lastly, if you like this episode and want to support us, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating and review. Until next time, this has been a pinch of Kyle and a dash of Tom. We'll be cooking with you in two weeks.